0: This time on episode 307 of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., we discuss Cloak and Dagger, Season 1, Episode 9, Backbreaker, Season 1, Episode 10, Colony Collapse, and Weekly Marvel News.
1: I'm Chris from Play Comics, a show where we look at video games based on comic properties and how well they stick to that source material, a part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other astonishingly geeky shows at gunnageeknetwork.com. You have been granted clearance by director Alfonso Mac McKenzie. Stand by for a S.H.I.E.L.D.
0: debriefing.
1: All information to be discussed here is classified and may only be discussed among agents granted clearance by the S.H.I.E.L.D. director. Now it's time for your scheduled debriefing. I'm Director S.P. And I'm Agent Michelle. Welcome to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., a Marvel Comic Universe fan show. This show is recorded on Sunday, November 10th, 2019, live from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. studios and broadcast... Lao-wide via www.geeks.live. Come in and join our live chat and talk with us as we record. Michelle, happy National Vanilla Cupcake Day.
0: I like vanilla cupcakes because then you can play with the icing and such like that. It's a nice base for things.
1: Not only is there a National Vanilla Cupcake Day, there is a National Chocolate Cupcake Day, which I believe is October 18th. There is also a National Cupcake Day and an International Cupcake Day. Is there a day for
0: breakfast cupcakes,
1: which are just muffins? Because that's what muffins
0: are. Muffins are breakfast cupcakes.
1: I think all you have to do is create it and put it into the National Day Calendar database. And I think you'll be fine. I think you just created a National Holiday. Because the reason I say that is because you look at the bottom in the National Day Calendar... And it always tries to give you the history of these days. In this particular case, the statement was National Day Calendar continues researching the origins of this sweet confection day, which means they have no idea where this came from.
0: Just from someone who really likes vanilla
1: cupcakes. Exactly. So then you can start your own morning cupcake day. Sure. Sure. I'll put that on
0: the list of, you know, 500 other things I have to do. That's it. Number 501 on the to-do list. Create National Morning Cupcake Day.
1: Well, I think this would be great. This would be great promotion from Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. because we've basically created it here on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. We'll give you full credit for it. But as created on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., National Morning Cupcake Day on November 10th. Whatever day of the year you want it. It doesn't have to be today, but it was created on November 10th, 2019. Heard it here first, folks. Copyright Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. 2019. (laughs) All right, let's get on with the rest of the show. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a fan-based podcast on the ABC television show Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the multiple Marvel small screen series like Cloak & Dagger, which we will be discussing today, and the Marvel Cinematic and Comic Book universes in general. Because it's Mardi Gras. I guess it is, right? According to everything that was going on on TV. If you'd like to talk to us about your experiences in New Orleans at Mardi Gras, you can catch all our contact information on our website, legendsofshield.com.
0: You can leave us a voicemail at 844-THE-BUS-1. That's 844-843-2871.
1: If you want to throw any virtual beads in the general direction of Legends of Shield, you can do so on our Facebook page, Legends of Shield Podcast.
0: You can find us on Twitter at Legends of Shield
1: you want to talk to us about Mardi Gras or Fat Tuesday, you can do so in the comments on our YouTube channel. That's YouTube.com slash geek.
0: You can tell your Amazon device to enable Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. skill.
1: You can talk to us all about Mardi Gras in New Orleans on our Discord server at GunnaGeek.com slash Discord.
0: And remember, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a proud member of the GunnaGeek.com network.
1: Proud as we can be. As you can tell, longtime listeners of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., you can tell that we are just two of the four normal agents that are part of the cast on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., right, Michelle? Correct. The other two, one, Agent Haley, and one, Agent Lauren, are not here today. True. They should be here next week as we discuss Cloak and Dagger Season 2, but in the meantime, we're going to discuss the penultimate and finale episodes of Cloak & Dagger Season 1 right now. Cloak & Dagger aired the penultimate episode Backbreaker on July 26, 2018, and the finale episode of Season 1 Colony Collapse on August 2, 2018. Now, we'll go over the creative team of Backbreakers, the first episode. It was directed by Jeff Woolnough, who has 73 directing credits, starting in 1991. As I was looking over this list, my mouth was agape. I was in awe. Two episodes of Dracula, the series. One episode of Stargate SG-1. Stargate Pioneer, Stargate SG-1. There might be a connection there. I don't know. Two episodes of Earth, The Final Conflict three episodes of Sliders, six episodes of The Outer Limits, six episodes of Dark Angel, one episode of Smallville, one episode of Birds of Prey, three episodes of Battlestar Galactica, two episodes of Eureka. Oh, I miss Sarah. Talking about Sarah, two episodes of Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles, one episode of The Vampire Diaries, two episodes of Perception, two episodes of Heroes Reborn, Eh. 10 episodes of Vikings. Oh, what a great action-packed series. Six episodes of the best series on TV right now, The Expanse, and one episode of The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, and two episodes of Cloak & Dagger. It was written by Nicole R. Levy, who has seven episodes under the belt, uh, one episodes of Ironside, seven episodes of The Mysteries of Laura, three episodes of Shades of Blue, and four episodes of Cloak and & Dagger, and one episode of Reef Break. So that's seven writing credits dating back to 2018. Thirteen. It was also written by Peter Calloway, who has seven writing credits starting in 2007, four episodes of Brothers and Sisters, which, if you remember that correctly, it did have the lead of Catco on that series. Right, Michelle? Oh, gosh, it did. It did. There. There's your sci-fi cred right there. Six episodes of Under the Dome, two episodes of Legion, and one episode of American Gods, with five episodes of Cloak and Dagger. Michelle, why don't you give us the action-packed finale creative team of Colony Collapse.
0: This episode was directed by Wayne Yip, who has 21 directing credits starting in 2008. Credits include four episodes of Secret Diary of a Call Girl, four Misfits, one Salem, two episodes of Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency, one Cloak and Dagger, four Preacher, three Doctor Who, one Deadly Class two Into the Badlands, four episodes of Happy, and two of Treadstone. This was written by Joe Podaski, who has eight writing credits starting in 2006, including eight episodes of Heroes, two Daredevil, 16 Underground, and seven episodes of Cloak and Dagger.
1: Cloak and Dagger is based on the Marvel comics by Bill Mantlo and Ed Hannigan. All right, backbreaker. This was an interesting episode for me to watch because The priest went through the hero's journey. And I actually took it, I was listening like as a student. I was listening, like, okay, what happens to a hero's journey? You know, you follow them as they're gaining in their, you know, they've met their their um their teacher, they've learned a little bit of what they can do, and then everything falls off. And and basically that's what we're talking about here in Backbreaker. I really enjoyed that. So thank you very much, writers, for putting that in there. That was great story teaching I don't know how much of it is true I seem to be true to me but I if you're interested in actually writing yourself you might want to actually take a writing course on this stuff but I thought it was interesting for me from the just the viewer standpoint of oh yeah go through every hero's journey that I've ever seen this is it
0: yes and I like the message about how we read these stories we want to experience these stories because we want to see ourselves in there the myth is our story in, in actuality. And that's why we actually do want heroes to go through this journey because they pick themselves up after obstacles. And that's what we want to do. We want to actually be able to overcome obstacles and do the right decisions and not become, you know, become better people, not become supervillains.
1: Also, this was the first time that we had seen Father Degato since episode two, I want to say. I mean, we've been in his office, but this is the first time we've seen him in a while. So this is the first indication I have is there is a lot more to come out of this series in season two. I don't know if they knew they were getting a season two off the bat or not, but I was missing a lot of his story. We got a big reveal in this episode. I don't remember talking about it in episode one and two, but there was a big reveal for Father Delgado in this episode.
0: Yes. Uh, tyrone touches him and we learn that he was involved in a drunk driving accident and i really thought there was more about that storyline in season one that was my fault it's actually picked up again in season two i really thought that actually came a little bit earlier in season one and i'm going where is that reveal and then i see it and then i realize
1: Oh, the other stuff happens in season two. Oops, right. So that was backbreaker, and in Colony Collapse, it was interesting because you basically got all the terrors coming out, and you got all the history of New Orleans. You got the divine pairings and the history of the divine pairings that comes out. You really see it spelled out for you in case you've missed it all along this season, and it was a, a good tie-up. But again, there's things that happen at the end of Colony Collapse that you're scratching your head and you're going. I'm sure glad there's a season two because if this was just a season one and then you get nothing, this is kind of an Alphas thing that happened on Sci-Fi channel where they cut it and you're like, there was a big cliffhanger and you're just not giving us anything. And there was never any movie about it, never anything. So I'm glad there's a season two because Colony Collapse really collapsed. Everything around it It rebuilt a lot, but not to 100%. No. And not
0: only do you have a... You know, again, a repeat of a divine pairing incident because I I really do like how they interweave and how you get each one. I really like how Tyrone and Tandy, especially Tandy, Tandy's the one that is basically flipping the middle finger to this whole idea that one of them's got to die and is like, we're going to show them it can be done differently. She actually is like, we're both going to die, but they don't, which is cool because if they did,
1: then we wouldn't have a season two. At least not with them. It would be kind of hard to do it without them because they are literally Cloak and Dagger. In these episodes, we get stuff like we get Stark and Rand references. We get a Stan Lee cameo, and this is about as good as the cameos are going to get from here on in, even though this was still when Stan was alive, when it was aired, and definitely when it was filmed. And you also have tremendous fights going on and you have storyline coming out the wazoo. You also have new powers that there's new things that they figure out that they can do with their powers, cloak and dagger. So this is action pack. Where do you want to start? Michelle?
0: I want to start with how Tyrone and Tandy regress. Cause that's really where like the hero journey lecture begins about how the hero's done great things, but then they've experienced trauma especially Tandy. Tandy, she has all this money, yet she's going back to drugs because of what she learned about her father. It's that whole perfect image of your dad being shattered, and she's trying to deal with that. And regular drugs isn't doing it for her. She actually learns that she can take people's hopes, manipulate them, and get high that way, which is very disturbing.
1: That was disturbing, although in character, because she's been painted as an addict all along. So I was taking a look at that and going, "Ooh, this is bad. I don't like this one bit, but this is totally Tandy. This is where she is. As much as we've loved her growth over the course of the eight prior episodes, you know that at the heart, she still has an addict issue. And then I thought she was going to rob the guy. And she did. She ended up robbing the guy that she was in his house, but she was robbing him of his hopes. And I don't know if that was the first time she discovered she could do that. I tend to think that she already knew she could. When did she learn how to do this?
0: Sometime between episode 8 and episode 9, it seems like. Um, It seems as though during her regression, and she was going back to conning men again, probably during one of those encounters, touching one of them, she probably realized that she could do a bit more. And that's how she just kept doing it and everything
1: definitely disturbing and she didn't discriminate she even went back to her boyfriend which by the way has been languishing in prison this whole time and i don't know how much time you think occurred between episode two and episode nine
0: i think a bit because mardi gras it's like i don't really know it seems as though because they had state it's like does this start at the beginning of a year like second semester in like school because Mardi Gras is in February, right?
1: I could see the state basketball championship. Oh, uh, okay, so time what you're right. Time-wise it's tough because most states basketball championship, not all, but most states basketball championship would probably be in the March April time frame. Right. Having Mardi Gras in February, which usually it's in February, sometimes it's in March. I think we have a slight discrepancy there, but okay. So it's at least in the realm of a couple of weeks. So Liam, that's his name, right? The boyfriend's yeah, name. Liam, name. Yes. Liam has been languishing in prison this entire time and has been his only connection to Tandy has been through Detective O'Reilly who is not really giving him everything, still telling the truth, but not really giving him anything. So he finally gets out and it's like, "Why well, it took you so long. I called you right away. And I've been here this entire time. And she gives the story of, well, I had to get the money together, which when you think about it is true, but I think given her history, she could have gotten the money a lot quicker.
0: Yes. It's almost as though when she regressed, she remembered, oh yeah, I was actually conning these guys with a guy named Liam. And yeah, he got arrested and he's, he's still in jail. So I'm going to bail him out, finally show him where I've been living all this time, talk about marriage, do her hope thing, and then completely manipulate him and then get interrupted because Tyrone shows up and then ditches him again. Poor
1: Liam. I don't know if we're ever going to see him again or not. Please don't spoil me. But I would guess that he is gone just because he took the money and ran. There's no reason for him to come back. Plus, he has no hopes. He has no tie to Tandy whatsoever. So the only thing keeping him to the area would just be his imagination, lack of imagination, I guess, to get out. Because I don't think he's had any family or anything in the area, at least not that we've seen. So if I was him, I'd leave. But I don't know if we'll see him again or not. Again, please don't spoil me. Chase you've seen farther like Michelle, but Michelle's not going to spoil me because Michelle's a good co-host. I've been doing my best. I appreciate it. Well, we did get you're big into the world building is am I, and we did get the Stark Rand comment out of Peter Scarborough himself. Like somebody has got to, is it the only way to compete with the Starks and the Rans of like, okay, definitely we're in the Marvel universe.
0: Yes. We've gotten, they call O'Reilly, New York. We've gotten a Misty night comment from her. And again, rocks on that connection and that whole idea of, we have to be awful people. We have to be this awful company in order to be as powerful as the Rands as Tony Stark.
1: That's just a poor excuse. Well, remember he wants power for the sake of power. He wants to mine this power that's in the ground, this natural resource that's in the ground. Because he wants to get more power. So that's just the way he's thinking. And we've seen his hopes, by the way, which is really disturbing. So Peter Scarborough is not a good guy. Tandy, he not only wipes him of his hopes, but I think he wipes him of everything he is. Because he's just sitting there catatonic in the elevator. Or he's dead. I don't know. One of the two. Later on when his sniper finds him or his assassin finds him or whatever. And that's another loose end. The assassin, she is still around at the end, right? Nothing bad happens to her, right?
0: Right. She finds Peter. Tandy leads Peter through a door. And I think she did to him what happened to Ivan Hess.
1: Yeah. It seemed like the, the loop, the groundhog day that was going on in there. We start to hear like the klaxons going off as he goes in there. And it just seems like now he's, trapped in his own prison that was originally created by Ivan, but is in there. Or maybe that's just part of the land of Lao is it was a very pivotal part, a very pivotal time period. So the land of Lao is actually making this, I don't know, pocket universe or something like that. So yeah, he's in there and he's not coming out. So yeah, he's not dead. He's catatonic, just like Ivan was. Good point. Let's talk about our favorite Chantel Tante as Evita calls her and we see her traipsing around new Orleans spitting out rum, which might or might not be what's going on with Haley right now. She might be trying this out. She saw it and she's like, I need to try this out. Just spitting out rum every and maybe not spitting out all the rum. Maybe I'm just thinking.
0: She's doing a ritual and she's basically following, I guess the energy of the town Because every once in a while, she's stopping. She's wearing bare feet. I mean, wearing bare feet. She's not wearing shoes, so she's walking around barefoot.
1: You mean she can take off her feet and then put on...
0: Yeah, 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 I know. Yeah, which being barefoot gives you more of a connection to the ground, to the earth. And she's doing these different symbols. And eventually, she realizes it seems as though there's a pattern. And she looks over... And she sees one of the rocks on pipes because she knows something is coming. She knows it's been accelerated. That could be because of possibly what Tandy and Tyrone have been doing. But yeah, she realizes. And I think it's interesting about the stories and how what events it was tied to a famine, a hurricane, the War of 1812, which we've heard in the um, this season a few times. And then the Spanish flu. So I think it's interesting that it's been different types of events.
1: It was great storytelling, at least, because you got to see the divine pairing coming out and when one dying in each case in, in completely different aspects, it was and sometimes they didn't even know each other, like the soldier and the refugee, the woman that was the refugee. They didn't know each other. They just happened to be in the same area for, I don't know, a minute, maybe as the soldier died and she took the message forward to make sure that the war actually stopped. So that was interesting. Also, the symbol that she was putting down in, in the four, right? So she's making the quadrant marking. I won't say cross because it's not really a cross, but she was marking a square into four smaller squares and then putting a mark in each of the squares as she was going around with chalk on the ground as she was going around everywhere. And I just want to link that To the Stan Lee cameo, because the Stan Lee cameo in this was a picture on the wall, an art on the wall, but it was in four quadrants. So very similar to what Chantel was going around New Orleans doing. Did you pick that up?
0: I related the Stan Lee cameo more to the Andy Warhol inspiration of the picture. That's when I see something like that. I'm automatically taken back to like the Andy Warhol. Technique, like what he did, like the whole Marilyn Monroe and the Campbell Soup thing. So when I see artwork like that, my first thought is always Andy Warhol. So I did not make that any sort of connection.
1: But one could make that connection of the four different quadrants. Suppose you did. I did. And we talked a little bit about Tandy really having new powers of taking away people's hopes. Turns out Tyrone has developed his own similar power, although he does not actively use it as much as Tandy
0: did. With Tyrone, his development really has to do with instinct. He's been living with fear and guilt all this time. He doesn't know what he is without it. That's part of his regression because he's fighting again and that whole The priest said the war is over, but for some reason the battle is raging on and Tyrone needs something to ground him. His cloak gets destroyed and Tandy finally returns uh, the hoodie to him. I think it's interesting. She said that's the first thing she stole. So with Tyrone, it's always been more of a instinctual unintentional development because he's, he talks about like trying to control it and, how to activate it. It's like he, he hasn't worked on manipulating it as much as Tandy has, because, well, that's Tandy's character. She likes to lie and manipulate. That's who she started out.
1: You know, I was looking at the, um, the original sweatshirt, right. And it's big on Tyrone. Now it was big when he was a kid. And, and I do remember that they tried to merge that continuity pretty well, but, I think if it was on Little Tyrone, as big as it is on Big Tyrone, that it, he would have basically been walking around in a tent, and that wasn't the case. I mean, it was big on Little Tyrone, but it wasn't as big as it was, so a little bit of continuity issue there, but you get the point that Tandy gave it to him, and Tyrone still has the slipper, so I don't know if that comes out in season two or not. I mean, it could have, I not remember seeing it in his stuff as he moved into the church at the end. But it was back in his room, so he didn't give it up. And I don't think it really matters at this point, but it might. I don't know.
0: Yeah, so he is very shocked at the end with Connors. He warns Connors, are you afraid? I can make you afraid. And Connors is like, yes. And Tyrone could have killed him, but he, tries, he is like, I'm going to be better than that. And he turns to walk away, but Connors, being Connors, turns to shoot him. The darkness that comes out of Tyrone grabs Connors and draws him in. And I'm going to tell you this much. Connors isn't like all of a sudden part of like Tyrone's personality. I'm going to tell you that much because what actually happens is a big part of Season two, exploring exactly what happened to Connors when Tyrone's power grabbed him and pulled him in. That is a huge part of season two.
1: My background in this sort of thing goes to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. when you had the Graviton where, where people were sucked in and that became part of a singular unity. So when I was looking at this, I didn't know what it was, but the only reference that I had on TV was what we had already seen in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. when that came around. There's kind of something similar going on in Supergirl right now, but that's two years after this came out, and it's not really the same. So I was wondering what exactly what was going on. If you're saying we're going to see it in season two, we'll just have to wait to see it in season two. But that was a big part of what happened at the end of this. In addition to You had the two, remember, you pointed out that the two were given the prophecy by Evita that one would die. So they're thinking at least one, if not two, is going to die. So they go into the core, the quote-unquote core of this massive overlay of all these vents and pipes and everything that are snaking around all of New Orleans, which are causing the terror whenever they breach because somebody shoots at them or... The pressure gets too high or something like that. It really causes people to go into the Terrace. and they're going into the core, which is in building six one six. Ha 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 ha. Marvel six one six universe. And so they go into the, the core or at least Tyrone gets in the core because he's doing the cloak thing. He gets in there. He pushes the red button. He shuts the valves down and it's just not enough. So what happens is exactly what I said was going to happen at some point in time. They're going to use this power of colliding together. They didn't explode. But when they touch each other, when they merge, they're able to suck up all this stuff and then throw it off into the sky, into the universe somewhere. I don't think it's gone forever, but it's out of New Orleans, like it was shot into space or something like that. And they were able to save the city. And not only that, but they got transported to the top of the Superdome.
0: Exactly. Evita thinks it's going to be Tyrone because during the history of the Divine Pairings, the one that has a mark on the left arm is the one that ends up dying. So Tyrone ends up having a mark on his left arm and Avita and Avita sees it. She's convinced it's going to be Tyrone. But when Tandy enters, I love how she just uses that shard to make herself a door. She gets knocked back and she actually gets a little burn on her left arm as well. Mm-hmm. So they end up both being marked on their left arms. Part of me is like, Did they both need to have not only the mark on their left arms and their combined powers, or was it just enough for the combined powers to be enough? Because part of me is like that whole, because they made a point of the left arm thing, especially since I rewatched it. They sort of really made a point to show Tyrone's left arm and then Tandy's left arm. I almost wonder if it's like a combination of the two that allowed it to
1: happen. However it happened, it happened. They were able to survive and live to another day and connor's is gone and oh by the way o'reilly she gets caught up in all this too there's this whole thing that happens where connor's is actually out and the video is in her little youtube video is inadmissible or at least so he says so he gets out and he taunts her at the cop hangout which they were mourning fukes it was you know the the night after thing where everybody gets together and they're just mourning what had happened it's not really awake But he comes in there and she is drunk off her rear end. She's poured a whole bottle of Jameson into herself. So she starts to try to fight Connors. And you know this is going nowhere because unless she has a superpower of being able to withstand alcohol, she's not going to win that fight. And she didn't. She lost. She lost miserably. So you got that going on. And then. You had Tyrone that was set up by Connors and whoever else that he was going to take the fall for murdering Fuchs still is. That's another thing that's confusing me, whether Tyrone is still on the lamb from Fuchs. I think he is. And that's why he's in the church. And so the two of them are going to be taken out and and basically killed. Nobody's going to worry about him after that because of the trouble that they're both in because she could also be linked to it as well. And they get out of it because of the terrors, basically. I mean, they were starting to get some help from a cop, but they basically got out because of the terrors. And then she goes out and helps them with rubber bullets or non-lethal bullets or something like that coming out of of rifles. She clears a path for Cloak and Dagger as they're running down the street in the middle of all the terrors. But then Connors finds her, basically shoots her several times. She's wearing a bulletproof vest. So she shoots her a, couple, a few times in the chest and then kicks her to the point where she is now into the lake and basically dead, right? as the, At the same time that the terrors are and she gets a shot of the terrors in the face. Well, the last scene we see is O'Reilly is, you know, like any creeper movie, a you know, Halloween movie. And as we record this, Halloween just happened. But she's like clawing her way out and then she stands up Her hair is all ratty and wet, whatever. You don't know if she's sane or not. And then she starts walking away. So that's something that's got to be solved next season as well. And I don't know if O'Reilly's back or if this is a somehow turned version of O'Reilly or what. I'm not in a, a, I have not read the comics, so I don't know if O'Reilly runs into these same things in the comics either. So really important stuff happens at the end of this season.
0: From what I've read, O'Reilly does have a similar thing happen to her in the comic book. She actually has a comic book name. And so what you're seeing is the start of that journey. That is also a big part of season two. And Michelle's trying not to
1: spoil it. I appreciate that. I can't wait to get into the next. Is it 10 episodes season two? It's 10. Yes. Okay. So I can't wait to get into the next five weeks. As we go into that one other fight that happened that I just want to make a note of, it actually happens earlier on when the assassin comes to Melissa's house, which is Tandy's mom. And she's basically holding Melissa, the assassin. I don't know what the assassin's name is, but she's holding Melissa's gunpoint to try to get to Tandy to try to tie up loose ends. And I got to hand it to Melissa. I didn't think she'd have it in her. She takes a kitchen knife and she stabbed it. Once Tandy provides the distraction, she stabs the assassin in the shoulder with a big old kitchen knife, which I thought was was pretty gutsy of her. And, of course, Tandy then was able to use her powers a little bit, too, and the assassin left. But Melissa's got some game.
0: She does. And we see Tandy actually move back home. Tandy has learned from a lot of her things. And I guess fighting off an assassin with your mother kind of, You know,
1: mother daughter bonding time, little family bonding. uh, uh, Actually, after Tandy found out that her dad was not so great, also it was heartbreaking when you were listening to Ivan saying Nathan was such a good guy, and Tandy was like, "You have no idea," and she just gets up from the table and leaves from the brunch because she just can't handle it. What Ivan was saying about her father and Nina didn't know what was going on either. This was heartbreaking. So this is at the bottom of the regression. That Tandy is going through, and she holds Mina's hand basically and takes a little bit of her hope away. And so then Mina kills a bee, and we went through that whole thing with the Arthur before and everything. So this was, it was tough to watch that scene.
0: It was. That's sort of like the moment where you don't like the hero. Cause in some stories, you actually do have that moment of, are you going to lose complete? Faith in the hero, the beyond redemption, and it's something about how she does fight her way back to caring and to actually wanting
1: to do what's right. The other thing I want to point out on Tyrone's side of the things is his mom was like, "I can't believe you did this," and this is why, and and all that comes to true later. But it was the dad, the time he had with the dad at the Red Hawks place when the police are coming to get him, actually, and Dad said, "Look." don't call, just go, don't send us a postcard, don't try to contact us at all, just go and never return. And this is the only way that you're going to survive this. That was pretty stark advice coming from your dad, but also very true given the tensions that were going on, the fact that he was getting framed, the fact that the dad kind of knew he was getting framed, but knew that they couldn't do anything about it. And that was also heartbreaking.
0: Yeah, the moment with the mom, because it's been really difficult, because it's like, Tyrone is like, I know this truth, how come you never believed me, and the mom is just, I couldn't believe you, because if I did, then you're going to want to do something about it, and I could have lost you as well.
1: And basically it turns out that she lost him or loses him basically because of that. But she also knows that he's still around because he's able to get into his room and she knows he'd been there.
0: Yes. It's watching them because he, cause he feels as though like you won. It's like, you should believe me. Like, how come you don't believe me? And you know, walk, they're walking toward the car and you learn, it's like, they've heard that song and dance before they've been through it before. They just didn't let Tyrone know, as Tyrone was growing up, that that's the song and dance they've been hearing all this time.
1: And even though the chief, who is definitely a different chief, it's uh, even gender different, so you know it's a different chief. She says that things are different now, but they're not. They're so not. She was... So consumed with the Mardi Gras, which I can't imagine being the chief of police in New Orleans. I didn't even think about this. You have a very hedonistic sort of celebration going on. And to be the chief of police in the middle of that, that's got to be tough to keep law and order going on in the middle of all that. I didn't even think about that in New Orleans. I'm sure everything works out fine for New Orleans. But she was busy with that and wasn't paying attention to what was going on with this investigation into Fuchs and and Connors and stuff. So uh, she probably let some things slide underneath her, which is in contrary to what she was telling the Johnsons in her office earlier in the episode, really polarizing things that are happening.
0: Yeah. um, One of the things I want to remind you when we're going into season two, Connors mentions his uncle. So remember that, his uncle is the one that helped him cover everything up because that does come up in season two. So if you hear about the whole uncle thing, I just want to remind you that this was mentioned in, in season
1: one. I do remember that. And I kind of thought that it was going to be somebody big rocks on, which still might be, but I thought it was going to be like Peter Scarborough. He's kind of person catatonic right now and unable to respond. So I don't know. We'll see what happens in season two. Not going to make any predictions there because, well, I haven't seen season two yet. I haven't seen the casting for season two. We didn't do a lead up to season two, that sort of thing. But it did happen just a few months ago, so at least we'll be in the same year as we're discussing it.
0: Yes, we will. Kind of, which is which is a big thing for us.
1: Unique for Legends of Shield outside of Agents of Shield. Any last thoughts about season one about the penultimate episode about the finale episode anything along those lines with season one Michelle
0: I thought it was interesting because all this time I'm wondering how they're going to resolve the big issue with rocks on and still live and I really liked that how the energy if you go into that core room that energy is actually like this white silver plus this Black, and it's almost, and it makes sense because it goes back to how Tyrone and Tandy got their abilities through that first rig explosion with that same energy. So, that same energy, you know, went out, got those two. And it just really, I thought it was really sort of like a nice way of bringing it full circle about bringing them back to the same substance that created them and then being able to redirect it to outer space.
1: And then on the tail of what we've seen so far in season one and two of Runaways, I can see this combining together, you know, different phenomenology, you got aliens on one hand and then whatever this is alien substance or not, it just seems to fit together. They did a great job of these two series basically being their same universe. And I can see how there's a crossover in season three of Runaways, even though we know that cloak and dagger is canceled and there will not be a season three of cloak and dagger, at least not in the, Way that it is right now. Who knows what Disney Plus is going to bring in the future, but this is what we got. And I enjoyed it. I thought we talked a, a bit about it last week. Haley mentioned that the action really picked up with uh, episode seven and eight, definitely continued here in, in nine and 10. I won't say it was a regression, no pun intended, in nine, but you did have to have a little setup until you got to the end, which we talked about last episode, or at least I talked about last episode that I expected to happen. So I thought episodes seven through 10, which were in separate weeks, four separate weeks. So it wasn't like this was all dropped at once. I think they did a great job of once you were in there, then you were kind of hooked, especially at the end of each episode. You're like, I want to see the next one. I want to see the next one. In this particular case, at the end of the finale, I want to see the beginning of season two, which would have been, I would have been a whole year of speculation on this podcast, but we're just going to get a week and I'm not going to speculate at all because we're just going to talk about it next week. And that's the bonus of watching this a little bit delayed. And unfortunately it was also one of the things that Marvel was like, now we're going to cancel this because not everybody's watching it. I'm like, Oh, but it was so good. Ah, mm, we'll talk about that another time. So next week we will be talking about Cloak and Dagger season two, episode one, Restless Energy, and season two, episode two, White Lines. If you have anything to say about the season one of Cloak and Dagger or anything about the two episodes coming up, please get in touch with us. We will talk about it on the next show.
0: Well, it seems we have a story about disney and
1: hulu yes we do actually this is a story that you posted in our discord server but i i saw it and i was like we got to talk about it so basically what's happening here is fx had a streaming service which i didn't even know that they had their own separate streaming service but they had a separate streaming service it's going to be discontinued by disney and it's going to be rolled into hulu a little bit of a head scratcher that they're not pulling it into Disney plus, but I can see them wanting to maintain the viability of Hulu. And when you talk about the two underneath the same company, why have FX separate from Hulu? Let's just combine everything in Hulu, make it easier for people to subscribe to one thing or another. You got Disney plus and Hulu and just go forward from there. Also, this does affect the fact that if you have any FX series that you would want to watch it on Hulu now. For instance, Legion will be covering season three. So whenever this pops over, you're going to have to see Legion season three over on Hulu rather than FX.
0: It makes sense. I think Disney is going to use Hulu first off for the more adult. I think Disney Plus is going to be what? PG-13? Because I know they have the Mandalorian, but it's still Star Wars and Star Wars is still PG-13. So something like Legion, I don't think would work on Disney Plus. I think that's how they're going to
1: use Hulu. We have been speculating on that, how they're going to get that more rated R sort of material. And quite frankly, I'm wondering about Mandalorian because Mandalorian seems a little bit higher than PG thirteen, but I don't know. We'll see when we actually see it.
0: I think it's going to be one of those things where it's going to be right at like the top of PG thirteen. It's like everything you can get away with. Right at that line. I think that's what the Mandalorian is going to be like.
1: Well, in any event, it's one less streaming service out there and Disney is slowly moving ahead to consolidating other stuff because let's face it, Fox had a, a mess of stuff out there and they didn't really have the same sort of unifying game plan that other people had. Let's take, uh, well, heck, even Warner, Time Warner, they have CBS, right? That's underneath their. Yes. So you have CBS All Access and you still have HBO Max. At some point in time, I predict that the two are going to come together in a similar sort of thing.
0: Yes. I. Eventually, people are just going to be, this is too many. There's a, I can't remember what it's called, but there's a phenomenon about how people become more indecisive when there's more choices. It has to do with like, people i think compare it to like cereals in a grocery store but how there's so many cereals people just sort of like get overwhelmed with all the choice and most of the time they just stick with the one thing or they just don't make a decision at all with streaming services it's really becoming oh there's that one and there's that one and there's that one eventually i think people just be like I've had enough. I don't want to remember the name of another streaming service. That's it.
1: As far as cereal, my favorite is the diabetes pre onset super sugar crisp, which since I'm lactose intolerant and really trying to limit sugar intake, I haven't had in probably a decade. That's my favorite cereal. It is hands down. I did have it when I was off of it for a while and I had it. I bought it for the kids at one point in time when they were younger and I I had it. I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is, I, it was just too much sugar in my mouth. It was like, Oh my, but yeah, as a kid, that was my favorite. Just so indecisive, not indecisive for me. It's pretty easy in the cereal aisle. I got it. But I understand what you're saying. If it's not like a staple, something that you know for a while, it's like, which one do I choose? I don't understand. And yes, streaming services, same way I get it. And matter of fact, I'm talking about cutting the cord here. Now in like seriously investigating the options of cutting the cord and it's a little bit daunting. So we'll see what comes out in the next few months. Well, thank you very much for posting that in our Discord server. That was an interesting note and I think everybody agreed that they're not surprised, but we'll see what happens in the future. Well, Michelle, I think we're at the time during the week where we're just going to suck all the terror that's left out of New Orleans and get on out of here. I want to thank everybody that continues to download the show, continues to watch us on YouTube, continues to talk to us back and forth, either on our Twitter account, uh, our Discord server, or any of the ways that you can contact us. We really appreciate it. And I want to send a special shout out to everybody that joined us live as we record, including American Liberty. Thank you very much for checking out the show.
0: Yes, we appreciate all of you. Thank you for listening to us. Even when we talk about things that are over a year old, we really do appreciate it. And all the interaction, Twitter, Discord, we love it.
1: We love it. We love Marvel. And we'll continue talking about Marvel until we can no longer talk about Marvel. We'll see when that is. Until next time, I'm Director SP. And I'm Agent Michelle. See you guys next week. Bye. Bye.
0: Thank you for listening. If you want to leave us feedback, go to gunageek.com and you will find all our contact information and other shows. You can also visit LegendsofSHIELD.com where you'll find our complete archive of podcasts. The music heard on this podcast is by Kevin McLeod, found at Incompetech.com and also artists on Pond5.com and AudioJungle.net. The opinions heard on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and do not represent Stargate Pioneer Productions, Legends of Shield, or Gunna Geek. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the property of the Disney Corporation, Marvel Studios, and ABC. No infringement is intended.
1: I'm not the world's biggest football fan anymore, but it's been increasingly impossible to ignore the University of Minnesota Golden Gophers. I did go to the University of Minnesota am a gopher grew up in Minnesota and I'm, I'm just not a big college football fan. I'm just not a football fan in general because of the CTE issues and some of the money issues and it's different money issues than what they think in the NCAA, but okay. So it just, it's hard to get into it. That plus being a Minnesota football fan, that gives you the Vikings and the gophers. And it's like, when's the last time we had a championship with either of those two teams? Well, never for the Vikings, even though they played in four Super Bowls. And, oh, by the way, yeah, five for the University of Minnesota. But the latest one was before I was born. So never got to experience a championship University of Minnesota team. And and, and that's OK. You know, I was a big. Uh,
0: not even the women, not even the women's team.
1: Well, football, no, no.
0: But I mean, for like basketball or
1: anything like that. So, yes, volleyball, wrestling believe it or not is very big the hockey team has been lackluster since 2004 they have gotten to a couple of frozen fours and a couple of finals but they just haven't been able to uh clinch on it so it's it's like the patriots getting to the super bowl all these last times but never winning sort of thing or winning w- the first one and just never again in their latest run you know with tom brady and stuff like that it, w- it would be like that and it's like but they're Minnesota hockey. They should, they should get more anyway. So being a Minnesota fan has been tough, especially with a, a sport like football where they used to be great and they just can't compete anymore with the um, the other schools out there. Well, I don't know what happened this year, but and I don't expect this to continue. But I don't know if you heard about their epic win yesterday. Nope. So they were ranked, and it depends on what ranking you look at, and I know this is all going to change next week anyway, but so they were ranked 13, and they were playing ranked number four, Penn State, which is all in the big ten, right? and I'm all all week long, actually all two weeks, because I knew this game was coming out for two weeks, both teams had a buy, and I was like, "No, <laughs> they haven't played anybody." Yet, and they're just gonna lose and you know we're gonna be typical, Min- typical minnesotans and be like oh okay yeah we're we're just gonna fold now yeah and go home yeah thank you very much <laughs> they pulled off a win it's the biggest win in the school basically the school history they say modern day because they have won five national championships but it's been a long time so basically since the college bowl system has come together they actually one against not only a top-ranked 10 team, but one that was slated to go to the playoffs, a top-four team. they won. And it's like, wow. If you saw the pictures afterwards, which, since you weren't paying attention to it, you didn't, the stands were a sea of maroon afterwards. The field was a sea of maroon afterwards. So I don't know where the, all these people came from. Because <laughs> the stadium was still full, and then the field was full. So... It was just kind of a Minnesota magical moment and probably will never be seen again. They play Iowa, which was ranked 18, I think, this past week. And then they have an off week and then they play Wisconsin for their last regular season game, who was ranked, I don't know, 15th or something like that. So I got a couple of, of big games coming up. And then if they magically win everything, Then they're going to go to the championship, Big Ten championship, which will probably be against Ohio State, which is one of the four top ranked teams in the United States right now. They're undefeated. Minnesota is undefeated. I doubt Minnesota is going to get out of this season undefeated, but it was a magical moment and I got to watch it, but it got to the point at the end where I just, I couldn't stand it anymore. You know, you're a fan, you're a diehard fan. You're like, I just, I don't want to be disappointed. So I went off and cleaned the shower and I did not see the last five minutes live. Ouch. I recorded it. Oh, well, Okay. And when people in the house were screaming, I said, okay, I I understand what happened. So I went back and I watched it and was like, okay, but it's just, you know, when when your heart can only take so much (laughs) and I mean, physically and mentally, it's like, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, so that was my weekend. How's yours? Okay. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is copyright 2013 through 2019.